welcome to the What I Love About Men podcast. I'm your host, Steph Ganowski. After having multiple negative experiences with men, I started to believe all men were toxic. That is, until a few male strangers challenged my belief completely. This made me realize that a major problem with men in relationships stems from the fact that most men don't really love themselves or pay enough attention to their own strengths. I want to change that. Now I'm on a mission to help men thrive mentally, emotionally, physically, and sexually in their relationships with themselves and with women. So stay tuned and see how my passion can help you as a man. Hey guys, welcome to another episode. I'm going to jump right into our guest for today. His name is Dr. Hassan Yassin. He's a doctor working in the field of child and adolescent psychiatry. His passion for empowering people to learn to understand, articulate, and navigate emotions leads him to create Moodit, a social media app that improves mental wellness with use. Users will be able to share their moods and emotions on the app. They will then be told how many people feel similar to them and be given mood hacks to help navigate the emotion healthily. So download the beta version now on moodit.com. And now I want to welcome to the show, Dr. Yasin. Dr. Yasin, welcome to the show. Thanks for being on. Hey, Seth. Thanks for having me. Really appreciate it. And I'm really excited to have a psychiatrist on, on here because I never, never had one on here. So this will be really interesting because my listeners do really relate to that mindset aspect of trying to navigate their feelings and emotions and do it in a healthy way, but also do it in a way where that it's comfortable for them. Let's just talk about how you got into the mental health space and specifically child and adolescent psychiatry. Sure, sure. Um, well, for me, you know, getting into mental health seemed just the logical thing to do. Um, you know, studied being a doctor and then realized very quickly that um, mental health was an area that, that fascinated me. Um, it was really interesting. I, I kind of got drawn into the idea that, that we, we had control over our emotions. And, and I got very interested in what would happen when we didn't have that control, or we lost that control, and, and how that affected our life choices. And what really interested me with child and adolescent psychiatry was, A, enjoy working with that age group, and it's a lot of fun and keeps you on your toes. Um, but B, yeah, I was going to say, it's the, probably really, it definitely keeps you on your toes. <laughs> definitely. Yeah. You, it's never a dull day. Um, but the, but the, the, the biggest thing really is that tiny change in trajectory early on in life can make a massive change in the destination. So even, you know, a couple of degree shift, if we manage to make a small shift in, uh, in a young person's life early on, uh, that can result in a significant change in direction, uh, over the course of their life. And I think that's really rewarding for me. Yeah. So do you work with just children and adolescents or do you also work with adults? No, so I've, done a lot, I, no I have, I've done a lot of work with adults, uh, of course, and of course, in my training and everything else. But at the moment, um, pretty much all my work is uh, between Moodit and, uh, and the child adolescent psychiatry. OK. Do you find that the challenges for men as adults, do you see the patterns begin, like start to begin in adolescence where you're like, oh, shit, this is starting. What do I have to do yeah. to help prevent it? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, you know, and I think um, we see, you know, young men and young women present kind of in a, in a different way, really, in the clinic. I think what I see with young men is that they present angry and anger is the way that they have often used to articulate uh, difficult emotion. It's about kind of trying to help guide people to find out where that, you know, what is it, what it really is the anger? You know, what, what is the anger replacing, outwardly replacing something very difficult inwardly? For the most part, it probably really isn't anger, right? That's just what they show. Oh, and then absolutely. you have to dig into the root of the cause. Absolutely. What, um, is, you know, what is the root of the cause? Yeah. 
Um, well, the, the root of the cause can be a whole host of different things. You know, I think um, yeah. feeling feeling low can come from um, many, many different causes and many different uh, uh, aspects of life can cause low mood or anxiety. Um, sometimes it doesn't necessarily have to have a cause, of course. Um, and really the only acceptable emotion that a lot of young men are allowed to show is anger. You know, it's the only one that, that they've grown up feeling like that's a, a permitted emotion to show amongst peers. I have a really interesting question. I don't want to lose it. Do you find that no, adolescents are able to change that anger or to understand the root of the cause more than adults, just because adults are so ingrained in that behavior? Like, are children oh, able uh, to flip it quicker? Uh, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, you know, what oh. I can say is, not that, you know, the penny doesn't always drop quickly, but um, when it does drop, you can see a difference in a, in a change in approach. And of course, it's not always that simple. Um, you know, often it isn't. And mm. often there are different modalities of therapy that are required. And, you know, there are a lot of moving parts in young people's lives as well. Just because someone can understand the problem doesn't necessarily make difficult family issues any easier. Yeah. So, you know, it's it's about doing a lot of different things and, and building resilience, you know, understanding that difficult emotions will be there in life. Just because difficult emotions are there doesn't mean that those difficult emotions and those difficult thoughts have to be the dominant emotion or thought that um, dictates how we respond and how we live our lives and so on. Yeah. And that's interesting because you were, were caught in this place of learning from society now in the mental health space where it's like, okay, it's, it's good to be sad and it's good to, you know, you want to feel the hurt and you want to be able to express yourself. But at the same time, mm -hmm. you don't want the main focus to be on the hurt 24 seven, right? No, absolutely. I think because again, feeling the hurt is only part of the, the solution really, because you have to be able to first understand what it is and then name it, you know, articulate it, be able to, to give it a title and a name and understand what, you know, what you're feeling. Um, but then the other half of it is to, to learn to healthily navigate it. Being hurt can be an appropriate feeling, an appropriate response to certain situations in life. But then how we healthily navigate that hurt is the important bit. So just feeling it, just identifying mm -hmm. it is only half of the, the task, really. The other half is learning to, you know, if, if we feel hurt or anxiety or, or sadness, we have to be able to learn to tolerate that feeling without it being overwhelming and, and dragging us down to a dark place and, and navigate that in a healthy way. Sometimes feeling a negative emotion is entirely appropriate. Yeah. So a lot of my listeners have been through breakups, right? It's mostly mm -hmm. single men. And mm -hmm. a lot of them deal with the struggle of moving forward after they've right. been hurt so deeply, right? And it, sure. gets to, it gets to the point where some of them will dwell and dwell on the breakup and the mm -hmm. negative emotions and Mm -hmm. What what would you say is the healthy place of like how long of a time period is it healthy to feel those emotions and then right. when is it time to take action or kind of navigate out of there? It's um, like a healthy time okay. frame. So so yeah, I don't think that there's any one set set rule for a healthy time frame. Um, I think d dwelling on an emotion is probably not necessarily that healthy, but I think when to take action, I think anyone listening should take action right now, and that's regardless of whether you're in a relationship or you're not. And what I mean by action, I need you to think about where you have hung your self-esteem, where you hung your validation. When someone doesn't necessarily have a very high self-esteem and, and as, as such struggles very much to validate internally, then what happens is we often validate externally. And what that means is we often put our self-esteem and our sense of self-worth on, you know, kind of we, we, we hang that onto and attach it to a relationship of sorts, whether that is a friendship or a romantic relationship, or sometimes even a business relationship. The problem with that is that our sense of self-worth is entirely dependent on the ups and downs 
of the external environment that we often have no control over. Um, and what that can do is yeah. um, when, you know, things are good in the relationship, my sense of self-worth will be very high. And, I, you know, I'll think that I'm fantastic and so on. But then when things are not so good, which inevitably happens in every relationship, you know, it has ups and downs. If I've hung my sense of who I am and my sense of self onto that external relationship um, and I have no internal validation, um, it means that immediately after, you know, things go south, I'll feel bad. And maybe it's worth thinking, you know, where you get your sense of validation from and whether there are um, practical things that you can start doing to recapture, you know, your, your sense of self-esteem and, and start to validate internally. Yeah. And how do you do that? Do you have an example of how you can start to rebuild your validation internally? Yeah. So there's really simple things that, that, that we can start doing. And, you know, I think it's like anything, you know, if we were going to uh, make a physical health kind of analogy, you know, if we wanted to go to the gym and, and, and get fit, it, there's no quick solution. You know, we don't go to the gym and do one mm. grand gesture of, of exercise and hope that we come out looking a lot better than we went in. Um, it's about small, consistent acts um, that over time, um, you know, reach and reach the end goal. So there's not, you know, you don't, you wouldn't measure going to the gym, you know, if you went in one day and then went in the next day, you wouldn't then do a, a day by day comparison because you wouldn't see a difference. But if you do a comparison, you know, day one and month six, you might see a difference. So similarly here, the, there are small things that we can do, um, like learning to notice the positives about ourselves. So, um, you know, keep something as simple as, and I often tell a lot of my patients to do this, keeping the positivity pad. And what a positivity pad is, is literally um, at the end of every night, just before bed, I ask them to write three positive things about themselves or about the day um, or, or a mixture of both. And I, and I say it has to happen every single day, especially the bad days when you think nothing positive happened. Um, mm. Because what that does is it forces um, a person to have to look back on the day and notice positive things that they did or positive things that they experienced. Um, and over time, that can start to um, accumulate into being able to notice things more organically. So rather than it being forced, actually in the moment, um, you know, mm. I can start to notice that I, I, what I did there was kind of cool. Um, what I said there was was pretty awesome and I said it by myself and, and so on. So things like that can help. Um, there are activities that people can do, you know, like um, writing compassionate letters to themselves. Um, you know, I think a lot of the time when our self-esteem is lowered because we can be hyper judgmental about ourselves and, and hold ourselves to a standard a lot higher than we would anyone else. You know, we, we wouldn't yeah. tolerate things um, from ourselves that, that we might tolerate from other people. So writing a compassionate letter to ourselves is often done from the position of what would you do if you're writing to yourself, but if you weren't you? Like if you could see you from a, from a kind of out of body experience and you could look at the, the positives that you, you've got and the, and the things that you're good at um, and the things mm -hmm. that you know, you can, and, and how you can give yourself a break on some of your perceived shortcomings and not be so hypercritical. And all of these kind of yeah. little things are all about learning to notice the positives and the, and the good qualities that you bring to the table, because everyone does, you know, um, no one doesn't bring any good qualities to the table, but we often find ourselves dragged into only focusing on our shortcomings. That's so true. And I even heard, I read something or I was watching a video the other day, the other day and it said mm -hmm. at the end of the night, if, you know, you can go through your positives and then if you have some negatives that you're focused on or caught up reflecting on constantly, then you could just ask yourself, okay, well, if I can replay the day 
how would I do that differently? Or like, how can I mm -hmm. envision a different outcome of how I wanted it to play out now that I know better? Do yeah, you think absolutely. that that helps? Yeah, absolutely. I, I think I'm really more about focusing on the positives than anything that, that you mm -hmm. feel is working for you to the world around you is, is great. And I think, um, you know, there's a lot of resources and, and all over the internet that can help with, with things like that. Yeah, for sure. There's a lot, but I love the positivity pad. It's really great. Thank you. I like that you mentioned that we have to think of our mental health improving just as we do our mm -hmm. physical health. So just as with the gym, it takes time, it takes consistency and, and effort, you know, and it's the same thing with your mentality and your emotional space. It's like you need to keep working on that and make it a Absolutely. daily thing. Absolutely. And just like the gym, um, there isn't an end point. You know, we don't we don't go to the gym and then get fit and think, well, OK, well, I've done it now. Yeah. I can now, I, you know, just similarly with your mental health um, and mental wellness, it's it's all about kind of. Um, getting into a, a mindset that I want to be mentally healthy um, for the rest of my life. And, and that is going to be mm -hmm. something that I have to work on. You know, one of the things that I keep saying is um, I think we need to have a, a reframe of the phrase mental health. You know, it has really heavy negative connotations to it. You know, when we talk about mental health, um, what we're actually often referring to is mental illness, you know, mm -hmm. and, uh, and mental health, um, I think, I believe, should be something we all try and attain um, and try and achieve rather than a thing we try and avoid. Um, and I think that's part of the problem really with the way that we've, we've structured how we view mental health as a society. Even things like Mental Health Awareness Day, which are you know, very good and, and, and in the right, you know, coming from the right place and, and so on. But it's really awareness of the big scary thing called mental health. And one in four mm -hmm. people are gonna experience this. And that. if we did that with our physical health, we wouldn't be all that motivated to go to the gym. You know, I don't think we, we don't have heart attack awareness days, you know, as motivation for us to go to the gym. We actually say, if you want to live well, if you want to live longer, if you want to live happier, you should exercise and eat right. And yeah, so it's all about the, pos the, so true. the positive slant. Whereas with mental health, we kind of only say, well, if you get anxiety, then you should do this. Whereas I think we should say, well, actually, if you want to be mentally well, let's start learning to identify emotion. Let's start learning to, um, you know, develop resilience from day one, from, you know, school age all the way through to adulthood. And it should be kind of part and parcel of everyday life, just how physical fitness is. I think, you know, the mental fitness revolution is, uh, is about to start too. Wow, such good points. I never, ever thought of that. Because you're right, whenever it's Mental Health Day, there's all these statistics on suicides and all these, you know, these scary things, these mental illnesses Absolutely. that it's just, yeah, Absolutely. it's like more out of fear than anything else. It doesn't get you Absolutely. excited to improve your mental health. It makes you want to run. Absolutely. And, and, you know, that's not to say that we shouldn't take note of very serious things like, you know, the, the oh, increase yeah. in rates no, of suicide and so on. Um, and, and that's, and they are very important. But I think, you know, in order to, um, yes. get a, on a societal level to get people, um, you know, engaged in the process of being mentally healthy, um, you know, it, it has to be, uh, come from a positive slant uh, rather than from, uh, fear of developing something very scary. Yeah. Because that's more likely to cause resistance, right? Yeah, and it's just it's a, it's not a motivator. You know, fear isn't really the thing that that is going to motivate people to um, make significant lifestyle changes. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't advise someone to wait until they have a heart attack before they start running. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah. so yeah, so similarly, you know, it's not something that we I think we need to address when someone has anxiety. I think we need to address it so that people, you know, on a societal level, we we don't have pandemics of anxiety, depression, low self-esteem. Um, and actually we work on it from a, from a positive slant. Yeah. More on how to prevent it, which is what mm -hmm. you're doing with your new app, Mood It. 
Absolutely. So let's talk about yeah. Moodit. Sure. What um, is Moodit and how does it work? So Moodit is uh, it's an app, it's a social media app. Um, but the idea is that the more you use it, uh, the better you get at um, being mentally well. So it's really simple. The object that you share in the social media app is not a photo or video, um, although you can add context with those, but the, the object shared is, is your mood and your emotion. Um, and the context there can be photos, videos, GIFs, or whatever you want to put down. Um, and then so the idea is that the, you know, it forces you again to be able to name the thing that you're feeling um, to articulate it. Um, and then once you do, um, the app's going to understand what you're feeling and, and tell you how many people are feeling similar so that whatever it is you're feeling, you can kind of have a, a sense of it being normal and, and that other people are feeling it too. Mm. Um, whether that's negative because you, you know, you're stressed about a job interview or an exam or whether that's positive because, you know, your favorite football team just won. Um, you, you're engaged with, you know, you get a sense of how many people are, are feeling the same thing as you. Um, and then what it's also going to do is give you mood hacks. Um, so what we're, what we're calling mood hacks, these are practical tips from people all around the world. Um, so you can post a mood or a mood hack um, that have felt something similar to what you might be experiencing. And it's really how to improve your mood if it's negative or maintain it if it's positive. Um, and so what we're doing there is crowdsourcing positivity so that you mm -hmm. get that kind of the navigate part of the um, of the equation. So you, you then learn to understand, articulate and navigate um, healthily all your emotions. Um, and again, the algorithm allows you to upvote or downvote mood hacks. So which mood hacks are the most helpful for who and start to put the right mood hacks in front of the right people. That's the, the core That's awesome. of it. There's, Wait, so does, does the app give the mood hacks or do other people have no, their so own mood there, hacks? Yes. Yeah, so, so there's a bit of both. Uh, there's some, some mood hacks in the app, but the majority of mood hacks are going to come from people all around the world. So the idea is that really we're crowdsourcing that positivity. Mm. So, so people can put their own mood hacks in. So if that's a certain song that you like or, or a passage you've read or an activity that you've done, um, then, you know, all those things can be shared. And, um, it's about really yeah. kind of giving people, empowering people, um, all over the world to, to experience that. And, you know, the reward that you get is that as people kind of like your mood hack, uh, and upvote it, you get notified how many people you're actually helping. So um, in putting something positive oh, wow. out, you you can actually directly feel the impact of the people that you end up helping. Wow, that's amazing. And to be honest, I did set up a, a profile, but I didn't use it yet. But I, I'm really excited to because when I when you sent it to me again, and I watched you on Gary V, which is awesome. Mm -hmm. uh, you guys Thank are talking you. about Moodit. Yep. Um, I got I got the app and I set it all up. And I was like, Oh, this looks really cool. But I definitely want to work through it and test it out because I would totally recommend it to my clients based on what you're telling me about it. I think that's awesome. Amazing. Thank you. Um, yeah, so it's in beta right now and hopefully going to be launched on the App Store on iOS um, next week. Um, and then Android not long after that, I hope. But we're doing it obviously very lean. Mm -hmm. So just making sure that it all works and everything's uh, okay before we uh, move on to the next phase. Um, we've got loads of good plans with it too. Um, loads of things that we want to, uh, that we're building in. You know, there's some breathing exercises. There's going to be some mindfulness meditation things in there. Um, there's going to be all kinds of cool features that, that I can't really talk about just yet, but that I hope are going to be, um, pretty kick, pretty kick ass and, and make it just as much fun as it is functional. So what we don't want it to be is a kind of a boring app. We actually, um, are hoping that this is going to be kind of the missing link in the social media landscape. 
where you know we're not trying to replace anybody in, in the landscape, but we're hopefully going to offer something very different um, and something that provides a different kind of service to uh, people that want to be on social media expressing things in a certain way. And that's what I love. Like you're making mental health fun and you're making yeah. people feel like they're needed in the world, even just by going through their own struggles and helping others. That's, I think we're, I think we're meant to help other people and want to feel that, you know, feel that we made a difference. For sure. For sure. I think, you know, uh, and then that, that brings us to, to address something more fundamental, which is, you know, I, I do believe that we, we all have a kind of a shared purpose, if we want to call it that, you know, mm. and, and I think that that's what I was trying to tap into. Um, with mood to empower people to, to do that. But so philosophically, there's, there's something yeah. behind there too. Yeah. So what would you say your purpose is or like, what's your mission with mood and with what you do? So what do you want for uh, the world? Well, yeah. So the mission statement really, really simple. Um, you know, at mood we want to create a world that understands itself. Because mm. as soon as, as soon as I believe that once we have a world that understands itself and once we realize that actually we're not all dissimilar and actually we all feel the same things and um, we all go through the normal range of human emotion, um, you know, and the similarities are much, much, much uh, more common than the differences between us. I actually hope that, you know, we, uh, we can achieve a world that maybe understands itself and, and in turn uh, that we all understand each other a bit more. Thank so you. when it comes to a world that understands, it's, that understands itself, I guess you could say that mental health plays a huge, crucial role in relationship building and communication skills, right? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I think, um, you know, without a combination of good physical health and good mental health, you know, I, I don't think there is, I don't think you can have one without the other, really, for, mm. for, for positive relationship building, um, you know, mental health and, and positive communication and being able to articulate what you're feeling and why is a really fundamental part of good communication in any relationship do you ever work with couples because i'm trying to bring up like communication communication mm -hmm. skills and how how we can improve that because there's a lot of guys on here who have trouble like understanding women and i like would you say the majority of them probably don't understand themselves who struggle Absolutely. with understanding women or is that totally uh, different no I, I think there's probably a, a large overlap between um not understanding ourselves first because i think once we do understand ourselves then being able to articulate that becomes easier. Um, see, when we don't understand what's going on, then then everything feels like a a random assault of emotions. It's very confusing. Um, you know, uh, and, and when we do understand ourselves, when we can internally validate, then it becomes a lot easier to approach any given situation. Um, you know, um, nervousness mm. kind of decreases because actually the, the fear of um, rejection or the fear of saying the wrong thing uh, starts to dissipate because actually I, I feel more, more and more confident that I can say what I feel. Um, and because I'm validating myself internally, I feel okay with the fact that what I've said is, is valid. And therefore, if it's dismissed, mm. I can start to understand that maybe that person is the one that doesn't understand me rather than vice versa. Um, and of course, it's much more complex than that. And there are mm. a lot of nuances, but I think, you know, before anyone embarks on a, a journey to try and understand um, another person in a relationship, I think it's really, really important to spend time on a daily basis trying to work out and trying to understand um, ourselves first, um, because trying to understand someone else before trying to understand ourselves is uh, a very difficult task indeed.
Yeah. And that's why when guys come to me and some of them will admit it right away and say, look, I'm not ready to date. I'm, I want mm-hmm. I need to work on me first and total respect for those men. And we do work on them first and it works out great. Mm-hmm. And then there's mm-hmm. some guys who think they have everything together themselves and they try to date and it, all these conflicts arise based on lack of confidence, lack of communication right. skills. You know, they never know what to say. And then it all mm-hmm. ties back to exactly what you're saying. Like they don't know, they never gave themselves enough internal validation to mm-hmm. to know that okay like i'm confident in being me and if this woman isn't interested in me then it's time to move on you know they take it personally instead and i absolutely. think absolutely that what would you tell men in that situation like if there's a guy if there's a guy talking to you and he's like look i i just i never know what to say i never know if what i'm doing is right i'm afraid to approach her because i got rejected in the past mm-hmm. what do you say to him um i think it's, it's exactly the same i think it's it's about saying um it's time to have a really, really honest conversation with yourself before having one with anyone else. It's about really sitting down and going, right, you know, where does that uncomfortable feeling come from? You know, what is that uncomfortable feeling? Because it's about, again, being able to, to name it, to articulate it, to, and then to, to navigate it. So, so you know, that, that uncomfortable feeling when you think of carrying out the action of speaking to someone else or, or you know, entering a relationship, and there is that uncomfortable feeling, I think it's about kind of taking time out and identifying what it is. Where does it come from? Is it from a sense of uh, low self-esteem and a lack of confidence and a lack of internal validation? And if so, what can you do about that before? You know, because I think just, you know, kind of blindly going in and then um, having repeated blows to your self-esteem because you haven't yet validated internally. And so every external rejection is just another blow to... um, your sense of uh, self that you know that's not going to be helpful yeah. um whereas i think you know it, it's really important to um, take time out and if you are feeling something uncomfortable um sometimes it takes a while to figure out what that is but it really is important to have an honest conversation and say you know what there is something that feels uncomfortable here um and let me try and work through what that might be and where that might come from yeah and what's sad is I think a lot of men and women, but I'm talking about men mostly, mm-hmm. um, a lot of men will just avoid that, that uncomfortable talk with themselves, right? Because, and then, and then that just leads to more problems because they don't want to have that talk and they don't want to face the reality of the situation. Absolutely. Why do you think, Absolutely. why do you think that is? Why do you think men especially just avoid that conversation with themselves and would, would rather sit in the, in the upset and the anger than actually fix the problem? Well, I think there's there's lots of different reasons, but um, you know, again, a lot of it comes down to um, how I think we have done things on a societal level, and what we've communicated is okay um, for men, and what what being a man actually is. Um, and you know, I think a lot of that comes from a, a point of if these conversations were had, um, it's sometimes perceived as weakness rather than strength. And I hope you'll agree that the real strength, I guess, is when I feel really comfortable in my own skin. And and that means that external environments and external events that don't go my way aren't able to crush me and aren't able to kind of leave me wondering who I am and what it's all what it all means anymore. Yeah, it's like, wouldn't you see that it's weaker to sit there and feel weak and not, you know, do anything. But like you said, like society puts it on men where it's like this, if you express emotions, that means you're a crybaby or you're a pussy or, you know, there's all these labels now. So 
it must be so conflicting for men who feel like, you know, they don't want to be weak because they don't want to express their emotions, but then they sit mm-hmm. there and feel weak by not expressing their emotions. It must be so confusing. Yeah. And, and that and that can result in, you know, a, a very quick uh, downward negative spiral, not doing something, you know, kind of feeling weak or feeling like they can't express something uh, and then feeling bad about themselves. And then because they felt bad about themselves, they feel like they, they're even less capable of expressing anything and, and so on. And, and that can really make them up, end up in a very negative space and not really feel like there's anywhere to go, which of course there always is somewhere to go. And, and... For sure. I think mood it and ideas like that to make mental health more more fun and more exciting and mm-hmm. more part of social media will make it more normal. Right now, it doesn't seem very normal. You know, it's like this this scary thing as we were talking about. And mm-hmm. I think it's important to just be like, we all have mental health. Like we all need to improve mm-hmm. our mental health. Like it's mm-hmm. a totally normal thing. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because even on social media now, whenever the narrative on social media is about mental health, it's almost always about things like self-harm and suicide and so on. And again, they're very important topics. That isn't mm-hmm. the only thing that is in the topic of mental health. You know, mental health is much broader, much bigger, um, encompasses a lot more positive than it does negative. And I, I agree. Yeah. I, I think there is space in the social media landscape for something that, you know, empowers people to take ownership of their mental health. Yeah. And didn't you redefine it or relabel it on Gary Vee's show? Yeah. Um, you like you called know, it think, something else. Yeah, I think I think Gary Vee was trying to kind of, he, he, he hinted at that. Um, we should call it mental happiness um, rather than mental health. I can see where it comes from. Um, I think, you know, for me, you know, it's it's not about kind of naming it, renaming it as such, but it's about reframing what mental health means, mm. um, you know, because I think... Yeah, because it's not always happy. Yeah, yeah, happiness is, for me, happiness is, is you know, that, that's, that, that's not necessarily the goal. I think mental wellness is the goal because happiness is mm. a very fantastic emotion, but sometimes... As I said earlier, it's very, very appropriate to feel sad or very, very appropriate to feel um, anxious um, in some circumstances. So it's more about the ability to navigate those things healthily. So I think it's more about reframing the phrase than, than coming up with a new one. Yeah. It's like when you when you hear mental health, you want to think like mental happiness versus mental sadness. Yeah, maybe. absolutely. So it's about hearing Just the word have mental that health. Feeling, have more fun. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, so, so for example, if I were to ask you, how's your health? You'd probably be like, yeah, cool. I've been working out, I've been eating right. You know, you'd be telling me the, the good things that you've been doing. Um, you, the implication with that would be that, you know, I'm asking you how, how mm-hmm. well you're doing. Whereas if I said, how's your mental health? Um, you'd probably be thinking that I'm wondering if you've been anxious recently or sad or, and, yeah. and I think, you know, we want to have the, that flip on its head where, you know, if I say, how's your mental that health? Go, yeah, I've been, I've been meditating and I've been, kind of understanding myself more and I'm more productive now and I'm communicating better and, you know, all these positive things. Yeah, so true. I love that. Okay, so before the last question, mm-hmm. I want you to tell the guys where they can find you and how they can get to mood it. So I am on at Dr. Hassan Yassin on Instagram. And that's D-R-H-A-S-S-A-N-Y-A-S-I-N. And Moodit at the moment is in beta, can be downloaded from moodit.com, M-O-O-D-I-T.com. Um, and hopefully we'll be on the App Store on iOS within the next week or so, if all goes well. Um, and on Android soonish. Uh, I don't want to give a date yet because we just want to make sure that the uh, the soft launch and the, the proper launch go well on uh, on iOS. Awesome. I'm sure they will. I'm so excited. Thank you so much.
You're welcome. Thank you for what you do. I just want to acknowledge you for all that you're doing and trying to make the world a happier, more understanding place, which is exactly what it needs. So thank you. No, thank you. Thank you for having me on the show. Um, really uh, a pleasure to be here. Of course. Happy to have you. Okay, last question. What are three things that the listeners can get started on today to improve their mm -hmm. mental health? Okay, um, so one of them we touched on earlier uh, with the positivity pack. I think anyone that's having some mm -hmm. um, self-esteem stuff can uh, go out and buy any old notepad, turn into the positivity pad and, and start actioning that right now. The other things they can start doing is um, I start to note down what they're feeling in there in times when things feel uncomfortable. So in that moment, because oftentimes they can just feel a bit blech and we don't really give it a name. I think in those moments, it's really important to start giving it a name. What is it that I feel? And from there, we can start to uh, figure out why it is. And all of this, again, is a process. So there's not so all these three things you've got to do. It, don't expect that, you know, in a day or in a week that everything's going to change. Just it's not about the speed. It's about direction. So as long as you're going the right way, it doesn't matter how fast you're going. Just keep going the right way and, and don't stand still. You know, start to um, understand those feelings. And then after the understanding comes in, you can start to question where they come from and keep the positivity pad going. Between those things, hopefully over a short-ish space of time, you'll start seeing noticeable improvements and you being able to pick up on feelings that you have uh, a lot quicker and articulating them a lot clearer. Hey guys, well, that was the episode. I hope you learned a lot from Dr. Yazin. I know I did, and be sure to use his mood hacks, right? What he said was use the positivity pad and start journaling. Become aware of what your thoughts are and then ask yourself why you're feeling that. It's really important to get into that mental health space in a way that's in a way that's freeing and comfortable for you guys. So, so take those tips, use them, learn a little bit more about yourself in the process and see how your life changes just by doing those three things consistently. All right, guys, if you have not yet rated and reviewed the podcast, please go ahead and do that, please. It would mean so much to me. I would really, really appreciate it. Also, if you are interested in coaching and you have not yet had your free call with me, then be sure to head over to my Instagram at Steph Ganowski. That's S-T-E-P-H-G-A-N-O-W-S-K-I. It's in the footnotes, as well as my website, sgdatingcoach.com, where you can find the coaching application. Get on a free call with me so that I can assess with you where you are, where you want to be, and how to bridge the gap in between, because you can't get to where you want to go if you don't know where you are right now. That is it, guys. Have an amazing day. I'll talk to you soon. I'll see you in the next episode. Bye.